This podcast is an unedited excerpt from an MCLE program presented at MCLE's Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or its speakers. For full terms and conditions, please see the MCLE website. I wanted to just go through some key takeaways and a little bit of discussion about um, creditor liens. We did talk a bit about um, creditor liens, and I wanted to just talk about general creditor liens. So um, creditor liens uh, run from the date of death for one year, and a, it's a creditor must make that claim during that time. Um, let me just, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, creditors may file a claim one year from the date of death. This applies even if a probate is not filed, and there's a small limited um, exception to that um, that a creditor can try to um, bring in court, and a creditor claim is perfected by the filing of an action. So it's not unlimited. But what that means is that if you inherit a property and, uh, and you were to immediately sell it after you open up the probate, um, and get your determination of years. If you're still within the year and you're still from the years, it's subject to, to divestment by those creditors. To talk a little bit more about the mass health liens, which is a little bit different than general creditors. They don't have the same rules as other creditors of a state. Mass health liens are priority liens, um, and they are generally exempt from the one-year limitation on creditor claims. So we already heard a little bit about um, in the matter of the estate of Kendall, um, which limited mass health ability to file a lien. Kendall died in 2014 in, in testate. In 2018, her heir filed a petition to probate Kendall's estate. This was a latent limited and no personal representative was appointed. As required by statute, Kendall's estate gave notice to mass health. Mass health filed a claim against the estate and Kendall's estate rejected the claim as untimely. So a PR always has the ability to reject a claim. MassHealth filed objections arguing that they, would, they had the right to recover claims under Massachusetts Uniform Probate Code 190B and that the three-year bar on creditor claims established under 3108 and the one-year filing deadline established under 803 did not apply to MassHealth claims. They also tried to seek to file a petition for a formal probate so that they could appoint a public administrator as personal representative so that they could get their money and get their claim, perfect their claim. And, you know, we want, I wanted to talk about this again because this is just such an extraordinary uh, ruling um, because as we, you've heard from the different panel, MassHealth has always been an aggressive creditor who has been able to, um, you know, who has been able to enforce their liens and come in years later, many, many years later, even in those situations where we have a, um, you know, a husband and wife have a deed problem and they come in 15 years later and they file a probate in order to establish title. 
Um, and that title is good. And MassHealth has come in and made claims and aggressively tried to pursue collecting that. So under a latent limiting file, the personal representative, as we've heard, has no power to sell an asset by its power of sale or by a license to satisfy a creditor. So here, what happened was we see that MassHealth was not allowed to have that claim, um, which is really, um, really a big ruling and something that you've already heard um, that they're going to be seeking emergency legislation. So we want to be really careful about um, keeping an eye on this. And if you have a latent limited and you see that MassHealth is trying to come in, you definitely want to take a moment to talk to your title insurance underwriter to make sure there hasn't been any changes under this case. Um, so um, Mary dies and here's a trap for the unwary. Mary dies and test date on June 11, 2019. Her estate is opened in September 2020 and notice is given to MassHealth. MassHealth files a claim in December 2020. Can Mary's estate be sold free and clear of the MassHealth lien because their claim was filed a year after Mary's death? Now, I've gotten this question before because people are hearing about the Kendall case, but the answer is no. MassHealth, the Kendall case applies to late and limited, but MassHealth still has special rules, including the right to file a claim within four months of receiving notice even when a year has passed since the date of death. So now this is a really important, um, I think, uh, trap for the unwary, which I'm gonna send back to Jennifer. And the question is, a surviving spouse form, children, ears at law firm. Are the children always an ear at law? I think this is pretty big. And they have a copy of the document. They have a copy of the form anyway as well in their, in their materials. The code requires the identification of surviving spouse, children, and heirs at law, right? So that is more people than just heirs at law. So the form itself should indicate to you that we have a bit of a problem. Here, I want folks to look at this fact pattern. It says that Catherine dies September 30 of 2020. That is post-code. She left a surviving spouse and she left two children. Her two children are children of the surviving spouse. She does not list at 2B that the surviving spouse also has children. And yet somehow, whoever filled out this form picked off the box 3A. 3A, as the bold line above it says, complete line three only if the decedent left children in line 2A who are also heirs at law. In this fact pattern, the children are not heirs at law. Peter is the sole heir at law. So the land court will not take this form incorrectly written this way because 
either 3A is wrong or 2B should have been ticked off. And they will not decide that you made the mistake of 3A as opposed to 2B. They will make you go back and fix your surviving spouse, children, heir at law form. The real estate bar will say, form is, is clearly wrong. I'll just take, we'll just take the uh, deed. We'll make everybody sign the deed. Peter, Peter Jr. and Emma. Unfortunately, in this fact pattern, Peter, Peter and Emma are minors. So that fix by the real estate bar does not exist because the children cannot sign the deed um, that is, is, is going forward. So, I, so people really need to be mindful of filling out this form. Again, especially since Title Standard 41 allows you to rely on the probate, the probate pleadings as to heirs. You have to identify them correctly. And as Lynn had gone to the next slide, so do your title attorney a favor. And when you have that fact pattern, it's always about the surviving spouse. Do not list that at the time of the death, the decedent's heirs at law were identical to the surviving spouse children heir at law form because that's an indefinite reference. When you have a surviving spouse who's the sole heir at law, do everyone a favor and put it into the decree right here. The following named persons are the heirs at law, Peter S. Smith, surviving spouse. Then you have a nice decree that nobody has to worry about. That's my trap for the unwary. I, I think it's a great one. And I can see why people do it. They think to themselves, who are the heirs of law? Well, there's the spouse and the child, but we're not talking about the relatives. We're talking about inheritance. So I think in we see that we see this mistake a lot. So now we're going to move on here to um, another trap for the unwary. Fred dies on January first, two thousand and twenty-one. He has no will and dies intestate. An informal probate is filed. His estate receives an offer to sell his house for $600,000. His PR gets a license to sell to the court for $600,000. Before the sale, the buyer negotiates a reduction in the sales price to five ninety. dollars Is the license still valid? I know we've talked about this, but I see this all the time. Where people are just not thinking about the fact that they've changed the purchase price. This is going to create a title problem if the purchase price is for less than the license. If it's for more than the license, we don't really care as much because as long as you're getting at least that, that the court approves, because the court has looked at this and decided what should they be getting for this money so that they can satisfy creditors and um, heirs at law. So there's not, it's, it can't really be changed to be less without the court approving that. So again, get that license amended. Um, mom and dad own their property as tenancy by the entirety. Mom dies. 
Dad owns the property by operation of law. Dad dies, testate, has a will. Formal probate is filed. Daughter is named and appointed PR. Will is allowed. Dad's will leaves their homes to their children, son and daughter. Son and daughter decide the son will take the home in Quincy and daughter will take the home in Falmouth. Can daughter at CR do a deed of distribution to the son of the Quincy home? So the PR doesn't really have the ability to take away the son's interest. So what you really need is for the son in, to deed his interest to the daughter and the daughter to deed her interest to the son. You can't just, uh, and I've seen this a lot because families to come to these agreements. You take that, I'll take this. And then they think, okay, well, we can't be the agreement. We're all set. But you have to remember that probate is title and you have to make sure that you get all the interest transferred. Going a little fast because I want to make sure we get to some of these fantastic questions that we have in there. Okay, this is one that I see also frequently. Does a conservator have the power to sell real estate? So I have seen people have been appointed conservator and then go ahead and sell real estate. They don't have an automatic power to sell real estate. You would need to see a specific power detailed in the order appointing the conservator, which I have seen, or a license to sell. And the format, as Emmanuel talked about, is similar to a PR. So uh, you would want to say um, Lynn Murphy as conservator under the, uh, the state of, and you'd put the proper reference. Can I just add, Lynn, sure. I, would, I would be leery of an order, a specific power detailing the order. Um, the statute says that a conservator shall comply with the licensing provision. That's what the statute says. So, you know, it, it, it's worth it taking a look-see if you're going to, sometimes they put in front of a judge, you know, oh, judge, this is an emergency and we want the power to sell. Mm -hmm. Also, and a judge might might sign a proposed decree order that says that, but usually the title people will say, I, I no, I need a license. Because the statute says that in order to sell, you have to go through the licensing procedure. Because hmm. there's that section on the conservator sheet that says in special powers. And a lot of times there's yes, I mean, very specific court, and then the court gives an order. Ultimately, do I think the appeals court would save the day? You know, likely, and certainly to a bona fide purchaser, I, mm -hmm. I think it will be more of a, you know, an issue between the parties, but Conservators seek licenses. When the code first came in, they thought this was great and they tried to get all these, you know, licenses within these powers within the conservatorship itself. And it was, um, it, 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 the kibosh was put on that very quickly. And the statute is pretty clear. Because the conservator is meant to deal with real estate versus the guardian. The so conservator has title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the conservator has title to the real estate, mm -hmm. um, but a license is the way to go. So a license is the way to go if you don't want any objection. You don't want to judge to stop giving those orders. Well, <laughs> counsel put them in front of them. 
and you know, and we've got 50 cases in a busy motion session. So, but but you know, I, I think you're asking for trouble um, because I do think a, a lot of title attorneys will question it. And homesteads, don't forget about homesteads. Um, sometimes you have a you're you have one estate for one person and the other spouse is alive, you still want to deal with that, or you even want to make a general statement if it's the season that they didn't um, have a spouse or someone else to claim. Um, and there's great Viva title standards at the Real Estate Fire Association. If you don't belong, you should definitely join because they have some just a great line that you could just add in your deed. Mm -hmm.